Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Physionic Podcast, or welcome back to the Physionic Podcast. Uh, today's discussion, oh, I forgot my credentials. My name is Nicholas Verhoeven. I'm a PhD candidate in molecular medicine, and I have uh, nutrition science training as well in undergrad. And those are really the two credentials that are going to be implicated or used when discussing what we're going to be discussing today, which is going to be a relatively short podcast. Uh, sometimes they can last quite a quite a long time and can uh, get pretty into the weeds with uh, different discussions of the research, the data that's out there as I go through a paper or scientific review or meta-analysis or something along those lines. But today we're going to be discussing two things. Uh, the first thing is to discuss a little bit of the controversy on a keto study that I released some content on. I actually made a whole separate podcast episode on this, um, but also I just recently, just before this podcast, I uh, released a video that is a highly condensed version, just going over maybe four or five pieces of data from a really big study that was really controversial. Uh, looking at the ketogenic diet and its effect on heart health or heart fibrosis, the collagen production in the heart. And the second thing is to discuss my nutrition. So under that video, actually, I had a few people ask me um, why I don't do keto or if I do keto. And if I don't, then what is my nutrition that I follow? Uh, so I thought, you know, why not? I'll, I'll discuss that. Uh, so to give a bit of background on this keto study first, uh, this ketogenic diet study was done actually earlier this year, so 2021, and it was introduced to me by, I believe, a fellow researcher actually in a lab neighboring the, the lab that I work in, and uh, mainly for the mitochondrial component of that ketogenic study. Um, however, there is a lot more to that study, and that's the first piece of content that I've released on it has been covering the effect that the ketogenic diet has on cardiac function, or not really maybe so much function, but the health of cardiac tissue, cardiac being heart. So it was broken up into that, and then I have another piece of content that's going to be discussing the mitochondrial effect as well. And then I have another piece of content that's going to come out looking at the molecular mechanism of how the researchers ended up thinking that, you know, all this stuff is working together. But ultimately, I knew that just based off of the podcast that it was going to be relatively controversial because uh, anytime there are certain topics that I know are highly controversial because uh, people people have strokes over this stuff. And I don't mean that literally. I mean that uh, kind of uh, tongue-in-cheek. People hear the word keto or they heard, hear the word vegan or fasting or whatever it might be, and then they click on the video and then they suddenly feel like they have to jump to the defense of the thing that they are implementing. If they've been implementing it for a year or 10 years or however long, and if the data then doesn't correspond to their experience, then they think that uh, the data must be wrong. But the data is literally single points from a ton of different people, if you're looking at clinical data, for example. Now, granted, uh, critique of studies is 
definitely what should be going on. And that's what physionic is. It is at least a, a part of it is to have that dialogue, to have that critique of studies. So this particular study ended up finding the reason why a lot of uh, keto enthusiasts were really up in arms about this was because uh, this particular study ended up finding some really alarming results that uh, the ketogenic diet fed to animals, but also uh, other research was done, so outside of animals as well, and humans as well, uh, that showed that the ketogenic diet may have a negative effect on heart health, specifically leading to heart cell death, and then the replacement of that cell death with collagen, so fibrosis of the heart, which essentially makes the heart uh, less able to contract, and eventually that can lead to, um, to death because the, the heart stops being able to contract. However, the, the human data, which I mentioned in uh, my podcast on the topic as well as in the video or in the condensed version, the kind of highlighted, well-edited video, um, that, that human data was uh, looking back. So it's, it's really just making an association. It's not actual clinical data. So that is a, I don't know if you called it a critique, it's just something to keep in mind when you're uh, looking at this particular study. Now, the animal data, however, was actually putting these animals on a ketogenic diet and then finding that there was a substantial increase in cardiac death. Um, and with that cardiac death was a replacement with collagen. So I reported that, and of course, uh, a lot of people, um, some, you know, I think most people understand if they've been following Physionic, they understand that I don't, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care about like being anti-keto or anti-vegan. I just kind of report the data. And then the idea is to get to some level of truth. And if I'm wrong in any aspect, I'm happy to admit that. Um, so part of, part of the, the, the critiques that were levied were actually really good. I really enjoyed them. And uh, I think that they were really poignant and had some great points. So I wanted to mention one of them specifically because uh, it is something that could really change how we interpret parts of the study. Although it doesn't change how we interpret other parts of the study. So, so the, the question is still kind of floating out there. So let me, let me discuss that. So again, the researchers uh, put these animals on a ketogenic diet for a number of weeks. I think it was like 12 weeks or something like that. And then they ended up taking uh, heart measurements and um, seeing that on a normal diet, the animals didn't have any sort of problems, which you wouldn't expect that they would. And then on a calorie restricted diet, they didn't have any sort of problems. But when they were put on a ketogenic diet, suddenly they started having cardiac death, heart cell death. And something that, uh, that people mentioned is actually something that D Dr. Dom D'Agostino, who is a researcher, I believe he's at the University of Southern Florida at this point. Um, I'm not sure if that's current or not, but the last time that I've r run into his research and uh, some of his podcasts that he's done, uh, he's, uh, he looks a lot into the ketogenic diet. And I, I believe... Um, also looking at, I think, brain health or something along those lines and cancer as well. So don't quote me on that, but definitely the ketogenic diet. So he does a lot of research with the ketogenic diet. So somebody linked me a, a, a kind of rebuttal to this particular study that 
Dr. D'Agostino had uh, had written out. And he puts out some pretty great points therein where, and the one point that I really honed in on was the fact that the diet that the animals were on, this ketogenic diet, which is by definition extremely low carbohydrate diet, uh, still led was was made up of uh, mainly saturated fats, was made up of primarily uh, cocoa butter. And it's that particular substance, that butter is made up of two saturated fats. So it's 60% of the entire diet was made up of saturated fats. Now, based on previous literature that we've gone over in, in Physionic, uh, where at least, at least my interpretation of the data thus far is that I'm interpreting things as saturated fat isn't that ideal for health in general. Now, I'm sure there are going to be plenty of people that are going to push back on that, uh, mainly because people just, they start following one path and then they say, okay, well, this is, this has to be true. And anything to the contrary uh, is, is wrong uh, because I have to be right. Um, but let's put that aside. And looking at the data that I have so far, which admittedly isn't a whole lot looking at saturated fat, so this, uh, this opinion may change in the future, although I do have some more data that I'm going to be presenting probably in the next few weeks looking at saturated fat and its effect on mitochondria specifically, um, which is pretty interesting, really simple, but a pretty interesting uh, study. But ultimately, this, this particular ketogenic diet was 60% saturated fat, which is a lot of saturated fat uh, being made up of your diet. And if your diet is mostly made of fat, um, then that's going to have a significant impact on your health. So could it be, let's, let's consider this as kind of the quote-unquote dirty ketogenic diet where you're not focusing on polyunsaturated fats and monounsaturated fats, but you're focused on saturated fats. Now, if that's the case, and that was the reason why these animals ended up suffering cardiac death, that is certainly a possibility. Um, and it's some, something that, you know, the researchers may want to investigate into the future. Um, now, just on a, on a side note on that, I'd just like to mention, some people also uh, said that uh, these researchers clearly, actually, let me, let me pull up the, the part of the quote here by, by someone. I, have, I found this ra rather comical. Um, someone said, I won't say their name, um, this guy's not talking about me. This guy's not helping anyone, just causing confusion. He says keto is good and supports it, which I do, um, yet looks for some obscure, flawed anti-keto study by someone who doesn't like keto for some reason. Now, <laughs> here's the thing, though. Researchers I, are absolutely biased. There's no doubt about that. Like, I, I know that I'm biased, but I think researchers in general <laughs> d try to... It's, it's, it's tough to say. You're gonna, you, there are definitely historical examples of researchers, quote-unquote researchers, that technically do research, but they are, let's say, industry-funded. And those are, those, that's a great example of uh, researchers that have let their bias decide their monetary decisions. Let's just put it that way. However, the vast majority of researchers, if you meet researchers... They are geeky. They they get super excited about data. Uh, they don't really care about necessarily 
one particular outcome. They hypothesize and then they test and then what, wherever the data leads them, that's where they go because they're more interested in publishing a paper than they are about, oh, well, this is pro-keto, therefore let's just discard that because that's a lot of work. I don't, I mean, this is years of work that these researchers put into a study like this, especially a study that was published in, in Nature in a signal transduction, I believe. So that's a huge paper. And that's why this particular paper made such waves. So do I actually believe that these researchers are actively thinking in their head, oh, I hate keto, therefore I'm going to spend, I don't know, probably upwards of hundreds of thousands of dollars to do this particular study and make sure that it comes out to, to some sort of anti-keto uh, sentiment or conclusion. No, I don't think that, even for a millisecond. Um, you're talking about nine different people on this paper and their reputation is on the line. Um, so I don't believe that for a second and all the researchers that I've met um, certainly come in different personalities. And again, I do acknowledge that researchers are biased, um, again, including myself. But the nature of research is not just to do research, it's also to learn how to think, how to think critically about particular issues. Um, and looking at data is one of those things. And not only that, just also trying to think about things in, okay, I believe this at one point, does any of this data actually fit that belief system? And if not, then I need to change my perspective on things. And that's Again, that's ultimately what I'm trying to get across in Physionic, that I'm never going to bind myself to a particular ideology unless, of course, it's backed by, I don't know, let's say 15, 20 studies that point towards that direction, then that's a good, strong basis to, to go with. So I don't think that that's a valid critique. I don't think that saying the researcher is just anti-keto and therefore uh, we need to just ignore this uh, study because there are particular elements, as I alluded to earlier, of this study that are intriguing. They are things that are not well explained. And even in uh, Dr. D'Agostino's uh, rebuttal of this study, he did a, a, a great job in certain aspects, but he completely ignored a huge chunk of the study. And a huge chunk of the study was the direct administration of these ketones. So when you undergo the ketogenic diet, uh, then you end up elevating your ketones in your bloodstream. However, uh, something he fails to mention is that these researchers just bypassed the ketogenic diet entirely and they added ketones to the cells and the cells died uh, at varying concentrations or they would add it to a tissue and the tissue would start dying. So that's something that's not based off of how dirty or clean a ketogenic diet is. And I'm using quotations if you're just listening to the podcast around clean and dirty, but you know, it, it just makes things easier to, uh, to kind of distinguish between the two. It's not based off of that. That's literally based off of the molecule that's produced by the liver, the ketone, and it's specific to, as they found in the study, this beta-hydroxybutyrate ketone. So there's technically three different ketones that get produced, acetone, um, which gets breathed out, 
and acetoacetate and then beta hydroxybutyrate and this beta hydroxybutyrate specifically was the one that ended up causing all of these issues for the heart cells and uh, ended up going uh, undergoing a process called apoptosis and they had a number of different measures for that and they showed consistently that that was the case so the question is then why would that happen um, and that's something that nobody is explaining away. Uh, if, if you want to explain the data away of the actual animals, like consuming a ketogenic diet, and it was due to the saturated fats, while we can't, we can't just say, oh, well, that was definitely the case, it at least provides enough shadow of a doubt that then we can say, okay, well, maybe that data is, is confounded by the fact that it was in a high saturated fat uh, condition. So maybe we can take away from this that ha going on a dirty, quote unquote, dirty ketogenic diet may be detrimental to health. Now, just like I stated in the previous uh, videos and podcasts, we still need more data. So we can't immediately jump to this is going to be applicable to humans because there are going to be interspecies differences. No doubt about that. Um, but it still, it kind of opens the door and it kind of puts the foot into the door of like, okay, maybe we need to investigate this further. So if we want to dismiss that data as kind of uh, too early to tell or that we want to just say, oh, it's it could be confounded by the saturated fat, that's perfectly fine and that's absolutely understandable. And I would, I would be very much in line with that. Um, however, we still need to find an excuse for why this beta-hydroxybutyrate, which is produced by any ketone, uh, a ketogenic diet, dirty or clean, is leading to this uh, heart cell death. And it's specific to heart cell death because they, I think they showed it um, to, other, uh, to other cells as well. Um, I believe fibroblasts were the other cells. So they, they used a, a variety of different cell types, including animal cells, so rat heart cells, uh, mouse heart cells, and at this point you might be thinking, okay, well, they're just animals, and then human heart cells. And all three of them had the same effect, dying. Um, so these are things you have to consider. We can't, we can't just say, oh, well, these are anti-keto people, uh, researchers, and they just don't want us to have keto. Uh, no, we have to take it, take the data and say, okay, how do we integrate this into what we know? Or do we put this aside and say, we don't know what's going on here, but we need to figure it out. But there's no pot, there's no world where we take the data and we just chuck it. <laughs> That's not how researchers work. Uh, and I'm really trying to get, I'm trying to change people's way of looking at things to, to look at things from a far less biased standpoint. Uh, it really grinds my gears. It really does. And it also makes me really chuckle when, when, uh, when people have this, this kind of mentality. Why do we, why do we report on negative studies to the diet that I subscribe to? <laughs> I find that stuff so funny. Um, mainly because we need to have them. We want all of the data, the positive, absolutely, and the negative. We want both of them so that we can make uh, correct decisions upon our health or, or not even just that, even just for curiosity's sake. If we want to use, if we want to, let's, let's just take it out of the context. Let's say, let's say using a ketogenic diet, um, not for heart health, but maybe we want to use it for, let's say, cancer. Certain cancers struggle uh, when 
people consume a ketogenic diet. And I actually discussed this a little bit when I went over the Warburg effect um, in a previous podcast. But, and just as a disclaimer here, you can't kill cancer by just flipping to a ketogenic diet. Uh, although that is some of the stuff that I believe Dr. D'Agostino has, has worked on or uh, discussed in the past. I know that for, for a fact because I listened to a podcast where he discussed that and he got a lot of pushback from, from the cancer researchers in, in the world because uh, that is not universally true. But I digress. The point is that if we take it out of the context and start focusing on the ketogenic diet and potentially cancer, we can say that, okay, how does it work? Like, so, because another critique that I get often is, well, why do we care about how it affects sirtuin 7 or how it affects HDAC inhibi inhibition and stuff like that? Like weird words that people are just unfamiliar with. So like, bah, who cares? <laughs> we care because when we want to create drugs or we want to create uh, even natural remedies to these things, we have to understand the molecular mechanisms of how they function so we can target specific sections of that molecular mechanism to either inhibit it or stop it or to kind of create more progression in that that molecular mechanism so there's there's a lot of reasons why we do the research and why we report on the research the way that we do um, it's not just okay we found a study that's positive so therefore we only report on that no we have to report on the negatives as well so Ultimately, the bottom line is, do we take away, and I still stand by my stance on the overall conclusion of the study, do we take away and say that the ketogenic diet is uh, absolutely guaranteed to be negative for your health? No, we don't. Um, another critique that I, I saw was, well, some people have been on a ketogenic diet for 30 years, 20 years, and they seem fine. And yeah, fair enough, absolutely. Uh, technically anecdotal, but I, I personally, I don't think that the ketogenic diet actually leads to uh, all of this massive detrimental effects on our heart or anything like that, just based off of this one study. Um, because you need clinical data, you need human populations to go under a ketogenic diet and then to get heart samples from them. And it's really tricky research to do because with humans, you have a lot more restrictions. So ultimately, my stance is still rock solid, uh, but it's still the only thing that's flipped in my head is like, what is the mechanism? Why would these ketones affect the heart cells so dramatically? And that's a question that I'll pose to you if you are listening to this. If you have any thoughts on that, you know, don't take that data and just throw it out, but actually try to think about it. Why might that be the case? even though we see that for the for most people that undergo a ketogenic diet uh, they seem perfectly healthy sometimes they see massive improvements in their health and that's why i based off of the current literature that i have read which i've read a number of studies on uh, the ketogenic diet i would recommend it for anybody who can stick to a high fat moderate to low protein extremely low carbohydrate diet if that works for you fantastic. You will probably see great results from it. And for other people, obviously it doesn't work out, but for different reasons other than your heart is going to explode or anything like that. So 
that's that's kind of my my overall stance on on this whole situation. There was one critique that I thought was phenomenal, uh, the the high saturated fat aspect. I do think that if they should redo the study with a more quote unquote clean ketogenic diet and see if they see similar results, that would be really interesting. Um, and obviously going forward, looking at stuff like this as well. Okay, uh, and like I said, it doesn't address the, the whole ketones issue because that bypasses you know where you're getting your ketogenic diet ketones. Okay, now let me switch gears uh, briefly to my diet. Um, <laughs> uh, maybe this was bad to lump in with uh, a, a discussion on the potential detriment of the ketogenic diet because people that will then be able to attribute, well, see, he doesn't do the ketogenic diet. He's a keto hater. Uh, not quite the case, but, um, so I do, I do not follow the ketogenic diet. Um, although I, I can think of instances where it would be highly beneficial, uh, to, to people. Um, the same would be, I could say the same for veganism, which of course I've said in the past and then vegans have said, well, you're wrong because vegan, veganism is the best diet of all time um, because it helps in everything. And then of course I get the comments from anti-vegan people. They're like, oh, veganism kills so many people and it's ridiculous and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> so the diet that I follow is called flexible dieting. Um, it's just the, the, it's really simple. Uh, it's admittedly, I consider it highly scientifically based. Um, although I do acknowledge that I think even in nutrition science, we have a lot of work to do, uh, because I think certain areas like phytochemicals and things like that are things that we're still trying to figure out. Uh, so flexible dieting is essentially all it is. All I do is I count my calories and I count my protein and I make sure I hit my micronutrients, meaning my vitamins and minerals, done. That's it. And I get my blood work checked every year and it's impeccable, zero issues. Uh, and it works for me and obviously I'm highly active. Well, maybe not even highly active. I work out four times a week. It's not that bad. I mean, granted the workouts take a long time, um, but I, you know, I'm not this like anomaly or anything like that. Um, and I've been following it for about 10 years now. Um, and it's worked out perfectly. I've been able to manipulate my weight the way that I want it. Uh, it's highly predictable. Um, and it works extremely well for me and it works extremely well for thousands and thousands and thousands of other people. Uh, I eat ice cream at night. I love it. Uh, that's, that's a fantastic aspect while still being able to, uh, hit all of the targets that I have. You know, it's <laughs> once you understand chemistry, once you understand biochemistry, you, you understand that these diets, they're not mystical. You know, there's, there's nothing mystical about them. It's, it's really about understanding the physiology and really understanding the biochemistry of how these things affect us. So once I wrapped my head around that and I became more and more educated on the topic, um, I decided to go with this and I gave it a shot and it turned out it worked brilliantly for me. Um, like I said, just like it worked brilliantly for, for a lot of people. However, that said, I can think of also instances where I would not recommend a flexible dieting approach. Um, flex, flex, 
I know dieting has a, a few different uh, definitions to it. Let's just say flexible nutrition. Uh, this flexible nutrition style does not work for them. Uh, one great example of this is for people who have particular foods that um, are real triggers for them. Like they, they can't just have one of them or they can't just have a few of them. Um, maybe you would have to use a modified flexible nutrition program for that. Or, um, and it's not really a program, it's very loose based. Um, or you would have to avoid it entirely and stick to something like ketogenic diet or uh, go for, I don't know, paleo or you know whatever it might be that has more structure to it. Um, however, none of these diets, well, except for like the real rare exceptions, they, they don't offer anything that's going to massively uh, change your, that, 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 that's, that has this high benefit over another diet, except for on the psychological aspect. And that's really what I focus in on the most. Sustainability is the, the number one driver. It, nothing matters, literally nothing else matters except for how sustainable a diet is. And if you can't stick to it, it's worthless. It doesn't, like if, let's say the ketogenic diet was the absolute best diet for everything, performance, health, everything, but you couldn't stick to it, it wouldn't matter. If you hated it, then it doesn't matter. And that's something that, that's the first thing you have to think about. Above anything else, if, if you can't stick to it, just forget about it. Don't even consider it any further beyond that. And that's something I've tried to, to hammer home in, in the past as well. So yes, all I do is I, cons I count my calories. I have my maintenance calories that I've figured out for many, many years ago. Um, so right now I'm trying to gain weight. So I am eating about 3,700 calories a day. And I keep my protein relatively, you know, kind of moderate. Um, so right around, I mean, I, I weigh about 220, sometimes get up to about, I'm trying to get up to about 230. So uh, I keep my protein because I'm, I'm weight gaining. So I'm, I'm, uh, I can reduce my protein some. So I only consume about 150 to anywhere between like 150 and 180 to maybe 200 grams of protein. So it's a range there. And when I'm dieting, then I just cut off my calories and I adjust my numbers for that. And I'm still hitting my micronutrients as they're supposed to. And then I up my protein a little bit, not tremendously, like up to like 220, something like that. And then from there, I just eat largely whole foods, things that increase my satiety, things that, you know, like protein, uh, eating a decent amount of fats, making sure that I'm eating carbohydrates. So it's just kind of a whole balanced meal, right? And when I'm dropping body fat, I am fasting. So I fast, uh, I usually do something like OMAD. So one meal a day, especially when I'm getting really, really deep into my uh, weight loss period, my fat loss period, then I only eat one meal. So I skip breakfast and I skip lunch and then I eat one glorious meal at the end of the day, which usually by that time I've reduced my calories down to even as low as like 2000 calories, which I realize for if let's say you're a, a five foot two woman, then you might think this guy's out of his mind. 2000 calories would be incredible. But as a 6'6", uh, 220 man um, who's who works out a, a decent amount, 
um, that ends up leading to substantial fat loss. So I get really hungry. So as a result, I'd rather be hungry all day long and then have that one glorious meal before I go to bed. Um, so OMAD for fat loss in that situation helps. Not that OMAD is something magical, just to put that out there as well. Uh, it's, it's not going to suddenly make you drop body fat, even though you're uh, over consuming your calories, for example. Um, I just do it because it fits really well. And I would rather have that period of real satisfaction as I'm really chowing down on food. Because I'm one of those people that can't eat like, I'm going to eat three crackers and just be satisfied for a while. I need to eat, I need to have everything portioned out and I need to just consume it, inhale it, and then feel satisfied and, and go to bed. So that's a little bit on my nutrition. Uh, it's nothing complex. I do think that it works for the vast majority of people. However, I don't profess to say that it's the best for health or that it's the best for performance or that it's the best for anything, really. Um, it's just sustainable. It works for me. It works for a lot of other people. I get my blood work checked. And if your rebuttal is, well, not everything in your health is going to get is going to reflect in your blood work. Okay, I, people are always going to have complaints one way or another, uh, but my blood work comes back perfect every single year. Uh, my performance in the gym only gets better. So, you know, what else can I ask for? <laughs> so there you go. That's, um, that's a little bit on the ketogenic diet rebuttals. That's a little bit on my diet. Hopefully I didn't go too much off track. And with that, I will leave you here. I appreciate your attention. I always, uh, and I do very much appreciate everybody that ends up commenting with, with the critiques, especially with the critiques. I mean, I love the fact that people are like, oh, you know, good points, blah, blah, blah. But the critiques, I, physio, I need to always humble myself and say like, hey, just because I'm a scientist, just because I'm a researcher, just because I read research every single day, including the weekends, that doesn't mean that I can't miss things. And that's why I've got an amendment section for all of my videos, because I want people to feel like, hey, if I bring up a good point, and hopefully I'm able to read it, uh, that that's going to get acknowledged and that's going to, to get changed on the video so that people can see that this is about building a community, getting the public involved in understanding research and how to think critically and how to push back against researchers, to, to self-educate in a way that is science-based. Okay? So that's where I'll leave things. I, I truly do appreciate it. And till next time, see ya.